Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you will hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with principal dancer Jennifer Stahl. This episode was recorded on Friday, April 24th, 2020, immediately following the online premiere of Trey McIntyre's ballet, Your Flesh Shall Be a Great Poem. Hope you enjoy. So I think we might be live. I'm going to just assume we're live because it's three o'clock. Okay. I'm going to just start. So welcome, everybody. Uh, Welcome to this virtual Meet the Artist interview. Um, I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet, and it's such a pleasure to get to be in conversation with Jennifer Stahl, company principal dancer. And I feel as though I've been wanting to see you now for weeks, and I get to. It's nice to be. Hi, everyone. Thank you. No, yeah, we have to get our rhythms. <laughs> so welcome and thanks for coming. Yeah, it's great to be here and be able to talk to everyone. Great. Talk to you, Mary. Um, <clears throat> to get my, um, my projection voice here. As our um, local patrons are very well aware, these Meet the Artist interviews usually happen in the Opera House live before a performance, which would be live and obviously we are not there due to the shelter in place and stay at home requirements but um yeah so we're not in the same room we're not even in the same building we may not even be in the same part of town (laughs) um but thanks to this great technology we really can be together so speaking of great technology We're getting pretty good at this, Um, but in the event of the proverbial technical difficulties, I hope our watching audience will be patient and be indulgent and uh, let us just crash through. We'll we'll manage it. Um, As regular audience also knows, we usually end these Meet the Artist interviews with questions from the audience. And I certainly can't see anybody raising their hands, but... Um, I can see any questions you might post in the chat box. So those of you who are watching this um, on the various platforms, you can put your questions in in the the little side place for that. And uh, I'll try to flag some of them before we finish. So um, many of the audience may have just seen the streaming of this week's Flashback Friday which is Your Flesh Shall Be a Great Poem, the, chore- the ballet choreographed by Trey McIntyre for the 2018 New World Fest- New Works Festival. Um, and if you didn't just see it, you certainly will have the chance to view it on all of the ballet's platforms for another week. And I would strongly underscore that it's a not-to-be-missed piece. It was one of my, I will be candid, favorites from the festival. Um, And that's a perfect way to segue into bringing Jennifer into the conversation. Um, Jen was in the original cast of Your Flesh Shall Be a Great Poem, working with Trey McIntyre for that. And then, Jen, you were also in the piece that Trey McIntyre premiered during the first months of San Francisco Valley's 2020 season. So, um, and that was uh, The Big Hunger, I think. So. 
you're going to be in a great position to give us insight about working with Trey and about his thesis. Before we do that, let's kind of do the context thing. Many of our regular audience, of course, has known you for quite a number of years since you've been in San Francisco Valley since... 2005. 2005. <laughs> 15 years. Um, wow. And uh, it's been a wonderful career just so far. Um, but take us, take us through, where did you come from? How were you trained? And what led you into San Francisco Valley? Uh, so I grew up in Southern California and in Orange County, and I trained at a smaller school. Um, and I was trained in the Vaganova style and Russian style. And um, I started with my teacher. I was always dancing around when I was little around the house and um, always doing like gymnastics or tumbling ballet. And then um, eventually started ice skating. And then ice skating led me into ballet for the artistic side. And then I just kept going with ballet full steam. So, um, and then I did some competitions and luckily, or I uh, competed at Youth Ring Grand Prix in New York. And that's where I was invited to come to San Francisco Ballet School. I was offered a scholarship. And then I was in the school for a year and then I was offered my apprenticeship contract after the curtain came down of our student showcase and then I've been with the company ever since. <laughs> well that that's a fun thing to remember that those apprenticeships were handed out in a kind of a dramatic way. Um, I wondered if you would look through your career you were uh, you joined the Corps pretty quickly in 2006 and then soloist in 2014 and principal in 2017. Looking back, what are some of what we might call breakthrough moments in your career? And you've already mentioned that fun notice of being made an apprentice right after the curtain came down, but maybe some others along the way, a, a role you danced or a choreographer who noticed you or the moment when an, a significant thing happened. Um, I think one of the most significant ballets and projects, um, especially in my core ballet years, uh, was the Rite of Spring. And Yuri Pasakov was creating a new piece for the 100th year anniversary of uh, the music and the ballet. So it was very historically exciting. And it's always really special to be part of a new work and then also to work with Yuri. I had worked with him um, on a few different things, but nothing quite like this, and especially with uh, doing the leading role. And so as a quarter ballet member, that was really incredible. And then after that premiere um, at the cast party following that premiere, Helgi promoted me to soloist. So it was a doubly special night. <laughs> um, Yes, I think that sticks out a lot in my career, um, especially, yeah, you know, every time breaking through to each level or, I mean, any time a promotion happens, it's so exciting. We've had some really exciting promotions this week. And so, yeah, those, those kind of experiences really stay in your memory. Do you have any recollections of um, 
I'll back up a minute. When I've watched you dance over the years, I've watched while you were in the core, you were doing featured roles. And we knew it was just a matter of time before you'd be promoted principal or promoted soloist. And then during your years as a soloist, likewise, you were being featured in what would be considered principal roles, lots of times by the outside choreographers, but also in the repertory works. Um, how can I put this? Did you kind of smell the promotion to principal coming just based on some of the roles you were doing? I think you're always hopeful that things will lead to something and, but you never know. I mean, you, there's so many amazing dancers in our company and the rep is different year to year. So sometimes you're more featured or than other times. And yeah, depending on what choreographers are coming in and who they like or who they prefer, what their style is, it may not be your strong suit. So timing is really important and kind of, I mean, you, I think trying to run with every opportunity that you have and, yeah, it's, I think as I got older, trying to focus on that less, um, but yeah, you never know if you're sort of being tried out in those types of roles, and so you're given the opportunities, but it's also about fulfilling the opportunity as well. Um, so I've been very lucky, though, to work with a lot of different choreographers in my career and um, just learn from them in different ways each bring something different to the table, so. One of the roles that comes to mind for me, thinking of you as Myrta in Giselle, mm -hmm. which has to be one of the test roles. And, um, and then likewise, uh, the Lilac Fairy in Sleeping Beauty, those are both classic parts. Um, Val Canaparoli has cast you in special parts. Uh, do you have, just wrapping up this little arc of conversation, do you have any recollection of the roles you had performed right before you got promoted solo, uh, principal? Yeah, so we, I remember coming out of a few really pretty busy uh, mixed repertoire programs. Um, we had been doing paw parts, William Forsythe's paw parts. Um, and All right. I, it was sort of a remake of his piece that he had made previously. And so he renamed it Pop Hearts 2016. So with, or 2017 with the company. Yeah, yeah. 2016. And then we were repeating it the next year. Um, and so I got to be in the cast of reworking my own role. And then the following year, I also did um, Sofiane's Padada and Roll. Um, yeah. And I remember performing that right before my promotion. Um, and Prodigal Son, uh, George Valentin's Prodigal Son, I got to perform the siren, and that was right before my promotions as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there were there were a handful of things that I think it was added up. Um, it had been a busy season, but those two stick out in my mind. Yeah. Well, just for the now viewing audience, they're all glued to computers. Uh, if you go to the San Francisco Valley's website and go to the biographies of the different dancers, there's a pop-up of each dancer's repertoire. So it'd be fun for our audience if they want to later after the interview to go um, and just look at all of the long list of wonderful things you've done. Um, speaking of things you've done, let's do a little reminiscing about the 
beginning of this season. We got halfway through it, almost, if you count getting one performance, a program for the midsummer <clears throat> taken care of. Um, looking back on those first four programs, what stands out? What are going to be memories that you'll take with you? And let's kind of book in or bookmark the um, Trey McIntyre piece for, for down the road a bit. Okay. So the other uh, pieces, yeah. Yeah, I got to kick off the season um, with Val Canfroli's new ballet, The Foreshadow, and that was really a wonderful experience working with him and um, just building that. We sort of, we had the rehearsal process, it was split up a bit. Um, we'd have like a week to work and then a week working on something else and then a week back together and um, just based on his schedule and our other rehearsals going on. Um, but that was really wonderful to see just that all come together on stage. And um, yeah, the sort of conversation of movement and creation in those rehearsals was really awesome to, it was great to work with him. That was my first piece uh, getting to create with him or be created on. Um, I, his other piece that I have danced was Ibsen's house. Uh, which, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just an incredible ballet that I had wanted to dance since it was first created in the Newark's Festival, right? Ten plus years ago. Twelve years. Yeah. Years. yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a great one. I'm happy I got to dance this season. Um, Trey McIntyre's "The Big Hunger" was really special experience um a new work as well um i'll save <laughs> talking about that for a little bit um oh, what else did we get to perform it now i did get i was fortunate to perform the one performance of um midsummer night's dream <laughs> i unfortunately didn't get to perform titania as well i got to perform hippolyta but um yeah, I was also looking forward to performing to Tanya a few days later, but unfortunately that didn't happen. <laughs> well, just think how more special it'll be next season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I can't resist mentioning Cinderella. Um, you have taken the role of the mother, the wicked stepmother's, what is Hortensia is her name? <laughs> and you have really made that your own. Do you enjoy doing that? Thank you. Yeah, I, I do really enjoy that. I mean, the choreography, Christopher Wilden, um, he's so clever and witty himself. So it's, he did an amazing job just making it translate so well, all the comedic aspects. Um, but it is really fun. I mean, it's definitely a different challenge, especially, yeah, just communicating and staying in character the whole time. And then also, it's pretty intricate, all the counts, and you're interacting with all the other characters, and the timing is very precise. And then on top of that, staying in character and having it be, you know, having it read well and everything. So I, it's pretty exhausting, actually, at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, I felt like pretty drained, but in, in the best way possible, because it, it And I would, I would comment, um, in many versions, that is... Um, a complete character part, but in his version, she wears point shoes and has to do point technique. So you're out there having to do balances that are comedic, off balance, tipsy, and yeah. you're having to um, 
I've, I watched it this year from that point of view. I was just saying, how on earth can you remember your technique while you're doing that ridiculous thing? <laughs> yeah, it's an extra challenge, yeah. definitely. Because yeah, you, and because it will also read. So obviously, if you're the last thing I wanted was it for to look like I was focusing on technique and getting out of character, especially like in the ballroom scene. There's the drunk dance and it just yeah trying to prioritize what was <laughs> more important right. and really right. out and um have the character and the technique still working together so it, it's definitely it's really fun and then also just it, the, those types of roles are so rare to kind of have that comedic aspect so it is really fun to pick that um, on oh sorry i was going to um I'm cutting you off, but I was moving forward too. I want to make sure we don't run out of time. Um, a couple of words I just can't resist asking because an awful lot of people are asking me about how the dancers are facing the fact that there was a whole season of works, half a season of work that you had rehearsed and were more or less prepared to perform. Um, would you spare a moment to just look at a couple of roles that you were, you know, you would be scheduled to do that you won't get to do this year. Yeah, we. Titania, we already said. Titania, yeah, that was so special. Yeah, that I'm hoping that will come back around. You know, for um, at least I got to rehearse it and do a stage rehearsal, so mm -hmm. I sort of felt like I performed it. <laughs> but um, uh, up next, we as getting ready. I had a couple rehearsals of Appassionata, um, Benjamin Milke's Appassionata, which I got to perform last season and absolutely loved performing it. And yeah, just loved that ballet and the whole arc of the whole piece. Um, so I was really looking forward to dancing that again. Um, so that was sad to say goodbye to. Um, Kathy Marston's new ballet, Mrs. Robinson. I uh, was a part of that, and I was really looking forward to that. It was also sort of a comedic role for me, um, and not as much as Stepmother, but um, but a, somewhat of a character. Um, and so, but just working with her actually was really special because I didn't get to actually work with her for Snowblind. I because I came in the fall of the second year, so I worked a lot with Anita Fitzjody and um, Sarah Van Patten. So they were relaying all the information to mm -hmm, me from her mm -hmm. and did an amazing job uh, really delivering the background of the piece and her intentions. And, but it was really great to get to work with Kathy Marston one-on-one uh, -on -one for this and actually be a part of figuring out the movement and the vocabulary and um, just being a part of her process. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that premieres um, in the near future. Okay. And what else? Uh, Romeo and Juliet was going to cap off the season. And I did get to perform that in Copenhagen in October. Right, right. So, or early November. So, um, but Lady Capulet right. is another dramatic role. And yeah, so. Well, so. okay. Better luck next year, and we're really hopeful that most of these things will appear, if not next year, very soon. Um, speaking of, um, and I do want to be sure we talk about Trey McIntyre, but I wondered if you would just 
give us a little window because now we're talking about the canceled season. What are you doing now? How are you filling this time? And everybody wants to know, how are the dancers staying in shape? Yeah, it's, it's a new challenge, definitely. It was really hard to recreate a ballet studio in your home, and it's just <laughs> not the same. You're just not able to move the same, and um, I'm still waiting on my floor to come, the Marley floor, to at least have that. So, um, But I, yeah, you know, of course, doing ballet bar and trying to keep up ballet as much as possible. And then I've been doing a lot of gyrokinesis online classes through the Seed Center. Um, they have a really wonderful virtual studio. So it's a lot of breath work and sort of meditative movement, but it's really energizing. And so that's been great. I've been uh, going on bike rides to try to keep up a little stamina. And um, I actually wondered about that. Wondered about yeah. conditioning. Yeah. Yeah, so they closed off the Great Highway close to my house <laughs> along the ocean. So it's been wonderful because, you know, it's for pedestrians and, um, and people so they can bike without worrying about cars. So that's been really amazing to just be able to do kind of a nice loop and get my heart rate up and I'll get a little cardio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, I mean, besides trying to stay active as much as possible. I was going to um, say, any, any hobbies that you've been able to indulge in or is that? Well, I am working towards my bachelor's degree, so through the LEAP program. Uh, so I've been just yeah. utilizing the time for my classes. I'm in an anthropology class right now. Um, and... That's about to end this week, actually. And then next week, I'll start an Intro to Law course. Um, so it's been nice just to have more time for the reading and writing and um, just sort of diving into those courses even more, which now I'm thinking, how would I get this done with the whole season happening? You know, I, I, it's just amazing to me how much we have, are able to get done when you're in a, such a tight schedule. So it's oh, just nice yeah. to have an ample amount of time now. Um, but yeah, and then cooking a lot more new recipes and watching more shows and <laughs> reading way too much news and yeah. Oh, no. well, I, I'm with you on the cooking thing. I hadn't made cookies in probably 20 years. Cooking has never been a hobby of mine particularly, but I was just desperate for cookies. So I made cookies. <laughs> well, um, this is fun and I'd love to hear more and I have many more questions I would ask, but also keeping an eye on the time and I'm really wanting us to kind of end on the high note of talking about Your Flesh Will Be a Great Poem and about Trey McIntyre. Um, that piece was an audience favorite. It came back in the 2019 season. It was done on tour in London, um, maybe, oh, in Washington DC, I think at the Kennedy Center. Um, why don't just talk say what you want to say about it it's it's a lovely piece and you had a lovely yeah. part in it thank you um yeah that was that was my first time working with trey uh, mcintyre and so originally i didn't know what to expect and he went into the room just unsure and he didn't know us really i mean he only knew a few dancers in the company but he's 
so playful in his work and so straightforward with what he's imagining and endlessly creative. So he's always has ideas, just seems like easily to pull from constantly. Um, yeah, and it was, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. It's kind of nostalgic, um, sentimental, uh, seemed like sort of a letter to his late grandfather that he never knew. Um, but yeah, it was just fun to work with him and see how he played with the music. It was different to dance with, you know, lyrics and sort of this right. American folk pop music. And we were always singing backstage. Like you were mentioning, we performed it all over the place. We performed it so many times. And I swear up until even one of the last few performances, we, if you weren't dancing on stage, you were kind of like singing along backstage. And so, yeah, it was, it's a really fun one to dance. Um, I never got old. <laughs> Something I've, um, I of course immediately downloaded the uh, music and I've played it for myself for two years now. Um, but I, it has made me really wonder how influenced was he in the, in his choreographic vision by the actual lyrics of each piece? Does each piece reflect the words? Um, Literally I or? I mean, I don't want to speak for Trey, but I think it's a kind of a combination of yes and no, because I think the atmosphere of each section is really um, apparent. And, and so the lyrics kind of play into that. And, and then sometimes the lyrics, like for my part, it was called Fireflies. And it says it's many times it's sung Fireflies. And, um, and I do think Sasha and I, were fireflies or in in that sense that type of um character where we would like turn on and then sort of like calm down and um a little mischievous and sort of um yeah a little like seductive um in like a playful way um yeah so i think it the lyrics played a big part um if anything just to add to the atmosphere of what he was trying to get across with each section, kind of like the feeling behind each section. Um, right, right. Yeah. Let's bring the, his new work, The Big Hunger, into the conversation. Um, so you can talk about both pieces in answering this question. Talk about the Trey McIntyre style, the why are you doing a Trey McIntyre piece instead of somebody else's? What is special about his movement and his, what he's asking you to bring out? I think, well, the first thing that comes to mind, he's incredibly musical. Yeah. I, for both pieces, I felt like he knew the music inside and out. Um, <clears throat> throughout the process, I felt like I was discovering just more and more layers of the music through his choreography and through him explaining like just when he wanted certain movements and all of a sudden I would do it on the movement and I would recognize a new note or a new <laughs> nuance to the music. Um, and I think it's kind of earthy and it's athletic, um, but in a very sensitive way. Um, that's it. That's, yeah. Yeah. 
I, it's, there's like a little bit of a jazzy feeling, at least for the roles that I've done. But yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's very human in that way, in that sense. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel like ballet, like classical ballet to me, obviously it's not. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, has very a human element to it. Like I feel like I'm me dancing this versus another character, another creature or something. So. I can't resist mentioning the pink wigs. Yeah. <laughs> So you were saying this is me dancing, and yet you're in this sort of neutralizing pink wig. How was that? Yeah, actually, as I said, I was like, well, no, they are very much characters, so (laughs) that doesn't, I guess it's more my body, Um, and then characters on top of that. Um, But yeah, the pink wigs were a fun addition. Uh, Just, I think it did really put our part of the ballet into this other realm and sort of a yeah extra playful place within that ballet and kind of just highlighting the for me it sort of highlighted the superficialness of I felt like we were representing the little hungers or like the Mm -hmm. kind of the things in life that you think you really need and you do need but um they can kind of be um, overvalued sometimes or uh, so yeah yeah sort of artificial or superficial I guess but and just a fun visual effect I think well it's another piece I hope we'll get a chance to see again because it was <clears throat> fascinating and it had a good response I think um, yeah. we're down to a less than a minute really um, I did get a, a question that I think might be a fun one to wrap up on. And it just says, uh, someone who had seen you do uh, the Unbound works, which were very contemporary, and Don Quixote. And that's very classical. And I know you did the Queen of the Dryads, which is super classical. And so in um, a very few seconds, what's the shift between doing the modern and the classical? And do you have a preference? I mean, we go back and forth. We start our day always with classical ballet. Um, I do prefer contemporary or neoclassical. I think it just, I'm, I'm just more comfortable in that. And I, um, but classical ballet is always a beautiful challenge and um, important to go back to and keep that, those roots. Um, Actually, I think Mercedes in Don Quixote is probably the best of both worlds. It's like a little more, I mean, it's very classical, but it has a little more of the contemporary, like sort of getting into contemporary flavor um, and while maintaining the classical. Um, so, yeah, I I love the new work process and working with choreographers. So I my heart is more towards... Uh, contemporary or new works yeah on that note I have no idea if they're just going to switch us off or how this works but I want to thank you so much for being part of this it's been really fun and uh, looking forward to seeing you real before very long yeah I am me too I'm hoping we'll be back soon and just thank you to all our supporters and just our wonderful audience we really miss all of you and hope we'll be back soon Stronger than ever. (laughs) Yes.
Well, thank you everyone for being part of this. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.